good evening dr steffi and hello hello and my name is akash i'm from zanonco.io and lovels cancer and we are very happy to have you with us on board for this marrow awareness month initiative thank you it's an absolute pleasure thank you for inviting me yeah thank you thank you so before we start let me give yourself an introduction to everyone Uh, Dr. Steffi Mack is a leukemia survivor and the founder of the Marrow Story. She was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, an aggressive type of blood cancer, at the age of 24. And needed to do a bone marrow transplant at the earliest. She was lucky enough to find a perfect match from a Turkish lady based in Germany. After returning to her everyday life, she realized the importance of awareness on bone marrow transplant and the necessity of more people coming forward to become donors. She became the goodwill ambassador of Datri, India's biggest bone marrow registry, and founded the Marrow Story. Thank you for being with us today as part of the Marrow Awareness Thank Month. Thank you. A brave soul Thank here. You. Yes, and we really appreciate that you taking your time out from the schedule and. joining us today. Oh, no no, you don't have to thank me at all. Anything for Zen Onco and uh, you guys have been doing a marvelous job and uh, Zen Onco has been my uh, inspiration to do whatever I have been doing. It has played an important role. So congratulations to you guys. Oh, thank you. That is very sweet coming from a survivor herself. So, yes. So, could you please tell us about the Marrow story? Mhm. so um after uh, after i was done with my bone marrow transplant and i gradually sort of got back to life so to say i think um, i i i cannot say that i am speaking for every survivor but at least in my case uh, this was true that the moment i was told that i could say you know go back to a normal life i sort of just plunged into it because i think I think that was a desperate attempt I had missed on about a year and a half of my life uh, more in recovery than in the treatment because the treatment was just for about 6 months uh, inclusive of chemotherapy as well as the the transplant but it's the it's the uh, you know it's a recovery that took really long so I sort of just plunged into it Uh, so much so that i just went after all my dreams and goals and just wanted to accomplish them really quickly because to me there was this clock running in my head that i have already lost a year and a half and i cannot lose any more time so you know phd bhi kar lo or uh, uh, you know get a job also the kind of job that you want and start teaching and do this and that so everything i wanted to do at the same time and I think I ran after my dreams uh, so fast that I completely shut out my experience as a cancer patient and a survivor because I just did not want to deal with that at that point in time. I I published a book about it and I believe that was that was it. I didn't I didn't uh, pursue it after that. Uh somewhere at the back of my mind I I knew that I wanted to do something something constructive and and uh, uh you know 
whether it's at a big stage or a smaller uh, or at a smaller platform it doesn't matter but something something that actually helps people uh, understand what is bmt but i didn't know what to do i was lost i had so much uh, it's only in 2019 and i think uh, in june or july 2019 uh, when this idea sort of began to take shape and this happened because in the last week of june 2019 i uh, was given the kind opportunity to deliver a tedx talk and when that happened the first thought i had in my head is uh, so i survived cancer what's the big deal so many people survived cancer and so many people have survived uh, much worse uh, side effects uh, that this disease has left and they are still dealing with it and as compared to that uh, you know nothing nothing of that magnitude has happened to me uh, i cannot be talking about the fact ke you know are dekho mujhe i've survived cancer i mean I, I, even if i were not a cancer survivor perhaps somewhere in my head i would have thought okay so what uh you know because now cancer is such a common disease in india i was just reading the statistics uh, last night um would still be morning in india i believe uh, where they were talking about uh, you know how many men and women are affected etc etc and uh that's when i realized that if i really want to talk uh, about something important uh, at 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 such a big platform that has been given to me it has to be about bone marrow transplants and uh, if nothing else it could be something educative something that helps people understand what it is so i did that and it's in the course of my research that i think everything just started coming back to me in full force what i had been through uh, what treatment i had got and i think that's when i actually understood the magnitude of uh, what i had been through and what i had survived because for me the process was so easy by the grace of god and by everybody's prayers and blessings that i managed to get a donor really soon and my research uh, taught me that it's 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 not that easy it doesn't happen to everyone this easy and so after the transplant i met uh, people at datri uh, they they reached out to me sorry after the after the tedx talk and they said why can't we do something together and i said okay great i really want people to register and uh, you want someone who can help you uh, to get more registration so i said fine i'll be more than happy to help you i got on board and then of course uh, we did a number of drives uh, most of those at at the uh, colleges and universities where i was teaching because we wanted as young donors as as, as we could get so i did that and um, then covid happened of course and everything just sort of came to an absolute standstill i had all of these other universities to speak uh, at the, you know in the pipeline and then it just vanished and i thought no this is a momentum and i cannot stop it and then one fine day i just called up people at datri and i said well do you have any people who would like to talk to me and they've donated their marrow or they have received uh, marrow from somebody and uh, even a sibling and they would like to share their experiences so this is yes we have many people who would like to do that so i thought okay if i have to convince uh, people to donate their marrow because the one thing that was happening to me all the time when i was speaking to people about uh, donating their marrow marrow was okay 
okay you know we we get your side of the story that you know we can really save a life and you are the living example of that but we want to speak with someone who has donated the marrow what is their experience like what happens to them does it hurt uh, is it a surgery uh, do we get stitches uh, does it affect our health adversely so so many questions and i was not the right person to answer it because for me also it was just about interacting with my donor and finding out how it was for her and well you know you, it's always good to hear from the horse's mouth so i sort of thought okay great let's just do this and i don't know for some reason it just happened to me i thought okay i'm just going to come up with one name and i'm going to look for that name uh, in uh, you know uh, at godaddy and find out if there is a website available i'm going to type that name on instagram and see if uh, a handle is available uh, facebook page was not essentially a problem so i thought okay let's let's just go with the mad story and it just so happened that there was no handle no website no uh, facebook page nothing uh, that had this name and it just sort of sat with me i thought okay this is unique this this talks about what i want to do and uh, so that's how it started and um, i think i think i have interviewed close to um 55 people so far uh, these include uh, marrow donors these include bone marrow uh, transplant survivors these include other cancer survivors as well uh, you know individuals who had other uh, sorts of cancers and uh, they they have uh, they have managed to uh, get through it uh, this is also uh, talking about uh, friends and families who have lost uh, their loved ones uh to this uh, disease uh we also did a special series on uh, people who have had uh, mental health uh, you know challenges uh with with depression people who have who are still living with depression people who are uh, struggling and fighting uh, with depression every day so we've done a number of series because i thought that is important for uh, such people to voice their opinions because this is the only way i thought i could normalize conversations around bone marrow donation transplant cancer depression mental health everything so that's that's the matter story yeah so the real change happens after people start coming out with it you know mm-hmm. exactly like which is still a challenge but i'm trying i, I think i i think it has uh, unfortunately it has slowed down since the past 40 days uh, courtesy me moving to a different country but uh, i'm i'm really now trying to sort of get hold the reins back and put put things in order and kick start things again um the biggest challenge is to convince people to come up and talk so i there have been incidents in the past where i have published a story and uh, the said individual has not informed his or her uh, friends and family uh friends yes family not so much and then the family is found out and then you know they've requested me ke nahi nahi aap ise nikal do you know please take this down and we don't want our relatives to know uh, or or i have had people who have approached me and said i really really want to publish this but uh, i don't want my family to find out or can you publish this but not put up my picture and the only reason i insist on pictures is otherwise if i just publish a story who is going to believe that this is a real person there's always a question so if there is a face with the story then at least people are going to trust in the fact that okay 
this is coming from a real person. So I I do face these challenges off and on, and um, it's difficult because uh, there are these people who really do want to talk, but there's uh, pressure from the family, and I don't really blame anybody here because we live in a society where cancer is a taboo. So what are you to do about it? Uh, so I'm also trying to de-taboo cancer, if that's a word, but it's it's difficult. <laughs> you should know better if that's a word. <laughs> you have a doctor in English, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll invent it. De-taboo is a word. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, even we too had many survivors uh, demanding that please don't put my real name. I'll use an alias, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, my family knows, but my my society doesn't know the society where I live in. So. Yeah. Yes. So I think it will really help if people start talking, and the more we normalize it, the more people will be aware, and the more we can, you know, push people onto early detection and early diagnosis. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, also, I've had people who've come up and told me that, uh, you know, uh, please don't uh, mention my name because my my parents are still looking for a bride or a groom for me. I am yet to be married, and if this comes out in my community, I won't get married. And to me, that's is saddening. I don't have any other words. It's heartbreaking that uh, people would uh, judge an individual on the basis of their health record. And and these are not just, uh, you know, I mean. The fact that people would identify with an individual on the basis of their health record or uh, not see them for anything else—their heart, their humanity, their, uh, you know, their their professions, their careers, their ambitions—you know—the uh, fact that they could survive this uh, is it's shocking. But uh, I won't say it's surprising. I have seen enough to know that it happened in my case too. So. It's not surprising, but I think it's going to take at least another fifty uh, years to a century for this to change. I don't yeah. um, see that happening. I, I I can only make that much of a change if I have other fifty people join me. Then it can escalate to say in the next fifteen twenty years. So we just have to build the next generation uh, to know better. Yes, earlier I was talking to a doctor and he said all that I'm doing it's only a drop in the ocean, but. The drop surely does contribute to the ocean. So, Absolutely. like you said, in a century. It's just that, yes. So the marrow story happened after you've been in touch with Datri. Yes, uh, the marrow story happened after I I wasn't I got in touch with uh, Datri, but um, the marrow story was literally just something that uh, maybe was lurking around in the background as far as my life story is concerned. But uh, I never really brought it to the front seat, you know. I I couldn't really focus on it. And then uh, when the lockdown was announced, I uh, of course back then I was actively working and I had too many sessions to uh, look after. And all of us were struggling as uh, teaching faculties with the online um, system, not so much with the technology, at least. Uh, with most of us, but more in terms of how are you to manage the batches online, et cetera, et cetera. So that really hogged uh, all all day because when you have to teach online, then you know you have to think of uh, creative ways to engage uh, the students. Otherwise, they're just going to keep the screen there and walk away. So uh, I was too busy doing that. The moment 
the moment all my sessions were done and we were done for the for that winter semester that's when uh, i suddenly thought okay ab main kya karu like i i don't have anything else to do right now and um, uh, how much am i going to read and what can i do and then it just this just came to the front and it just said i think my my whole experience just just went like you know now can you look at me and do something about it and i thought okay let's do something and uh, frankly speaking this was just all of this was just conceptualized in 2 hours and i just happened to call a dear friend from uh, datri and i said that uh, you know this is what i want to do and uh, i need your help with it because i don't know any people who have donated their marrow their marrow apart from my donor and uh, i said i i do not want to, to uh, publish her story first because uh, i thought i i it it again then the marrow story would become about me and i did not want this to become about me i wanted it to become about the people who are going to be uh, there so i said i'm i don't want to publish about my donor uh, right now uh, i think all people who know me and all people who know the people who know me also know about me so i said enough people know about me so i i said i don't want this to be about me you have to help me and i i want uh, to publish uh, stories about indian people and i'm i'm emphasizing on indian because uh, india is my uh, my target uh, with with this bigger population i and i mentioned that in my ted talk that uh, research says and this is legit research okay uh, that if any one major city from india had every person between the age group of 18 to 55 who signed up to donate their marrow with any registry that uh, is is functioning in india we will build the largest marrow registry in the world and i'm just talking about one city so you take delhi or you take bombay or you take ahmedabad or uh, you take kolkata you take uh, bangalore any any city any any major city in this country chennai uh, and have every person between the age group of 18 to 55 with whatever you know uh, with no underlying health conditions nothing as serious as uh, diabetes where you have to take an insulin for example in that case uh, you know we can we can build the largest marrow registry in the world and when i found this out for my ted talk i was stunned i thought yaar ye to ye to mushkil nahi hona chahiye but apparently mushkil hai hmm bahut mushkil hai so uh, that's that's how it is also i think there are some myths related to being a living donor when it comes to marrow hmm hmm i think i think um the issue is that when we talk about uh, donation um we understand blood donation very well but uh, i believe that sometime in the 70s 80s uh, not so much the 90s but maybe halfway there um even blood donation was frowned upon i remember uh, relatives telling each other ke are nahi nahi khoon mat do like you know don't donate your blood uh, your blood is going to be lesser and then you will faint and why do you want to do that and you don't know what syringe or needle they are using and it was frowned upon it was uh, it wasn't something that people uh, did willingly we did it to save uh, anyone uh, in an unfortunate uh, accident or circumstance we know uh, so if say someone from friends or family then then we'll rush to donate our blood you know very typically bollywood you know aap mera khoon ka ek ek katra le lo but ise bacha do kind of a thing but you will not do it for a stranger now i know people who've donated their blood 
over 100 times i know people who donated their plasma over 100 times or platelets uh, over 100 times i i watched this video uh, that was done by um, uh, the tata memorial hospital uh, that that covered about this gentleman who had donated his platelets uh, close to or no, over 100 times and i was stunned i was of course uh, it was heartwarming to see that and i i think that at least in india right now that is the 70s or 80s mentality that we hold with a bone marrow and it's going to take a while for for us to mentally bring our uh, society into uh, you know the 90s and the late 2000s and then of course to where we are today with blood and plasma and platelets so i think that's what it is plasma donation has really started uh you know picking up pace or it did started uh, picking that kind of pace when uh, covid-19 uh, shot up in our country and uh, the survivors started donating their plasma in order to help uh, the ones who had critically who been affected by the virus so i think people have now sort of uh, found this comfort zone with plasma people have under started understanding what are platelets and because of um, what do you say that because of dengue so people know enough about platelets people know enough about blood donation ab to blood donation camps uh, college uh, campus pe bahut easily hote hain you know everyone is donating their blood kids are donating their blood so that's okay uh, doesn't happen with bone marrow so um, i guess with bone marrow what's happening is people suddenly begin to think this is like an organ donation so it's like donating your kidney or a portion of your liver or uh, it's it's like uh, you know it's like donating your eyes so so many people have told me that um, so i sign up and then after i die i my my marrow is extracted and given to the patient right so i said no 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 that that's not how it works so then they will say oh so i i am still alive and then they are sort of going to cut me open and then remove my marrow and then give it to the patient and i'm like no the first thing to know about uh, about bone marrow transplant is that a bone marrow transplant is not a surgery it happens to be one of those very rare kinds of uh, transplants when there where there is no surgery of course um, um you know this is this is true for stem cell donation not so much for uh, the the one where you you do uh, ask the doctor to extract the marrow from your uh, bone uh, from the bone that produces the marrow which is uh, somewhere in your lower back in that case of course you will have to uh, you know ask the doctor to sort of extract it and it's i won't say it's a surgery because um, uh it's it's not like that it's not full fleshed but but at least of what i have understood in my uh, limited knowledge as a person in from arts and humanities but someone who has been fairly exposed to this is that um with stem cell donations is exactly like your blood donation so you're just given an injection that sort of increases the production of marrow in your body and all you are doing is just like you would donate your blood there is a line in your hand the marrow is extracted and it is given to uh, and it is collected in a bag and the rest of the blood from the marrow is put back into your body and because you are donating something that you have produced in extra you're not losing on anything and even if you were to donate your marrow from the bone in the lower back even in that case your body only takes about 4 to 6 weeks to produce all that marrow back into your body
सो इट्स एग्जैक्टली लाइक ब्लड डोनेशन एंड सो मेनी पीपल टोल मी ऑल्सो के ओ तुम्हारी सर्जरी हो गई यू नो हाउ इज इट आर यू एबल टू वर्क हैव दिस स्टिचेज हील्ड एंड हैव टू टेल देम ऑल्सो दैट नो इवन फॉर द रेसिपियंट इट्स एग्जैक्टली लाइक रिसीविंग अ ब्लड ट्रांसफ्यूशन सो ऑल दे डेड वॉज यू नो दे पुट अ लाइन यू नो इन माई हैंड एंड द मैरो वॉज यू नो ट्रांसफ्यूज इन टू माई बॉडी so it's exactly like that so i think there are a number of myths that have to be busted about stem cell donation and um, that's that's what it is but it's it's going to happen i think one little talk at a time that's how it is yes so like we have now uh, for blood transfusion mobile blood transfusion ambulances i hope someday we yes. will have something for yeah. marrow you know hopefully uh, i i i don't i i don't uh, think it will be that fast simply because uh, marrow donation does require some uh, longer time i mean i think it requires about an hour hour and a half but um, if there are these mobile vans that can just go around explain to people what it is and get more people to sign up i think that that is a dream um, yeah. that can happen so yeah maybe maybe at some stage we'll be able to operate at that level so how is it that uh, organizations like datri facilitate this uh, marrow transplant so with datri um, what datri has been doing is essentially this uh, datri was founded way back in the in the in mid 90s i believe and it also started with this that uh, the the person who founded it uh, happened to have a friend who uh, needed a bone marrow donor and uh, Uh, what what scientists or people who have been actively researching about bone marrow transplants have said is that um there is always a stronger possibility of the patient or the one who is going to receive the transplant finding a matched donor within the same ethnic group so even with datri when you fill out a form there is this uh, particular section that will ask you what community or what ethnic group do you belong to so say for example if i am sindhi then i must write sindhi or if i if i am a christian then you can either write christian uh, protestant or anglican or catholic or same goes with hindu uh, you know whether you are a brahmin hindu or a vaishnav hindu or uh, i mean it's it's not about any form of uh, you know subsection into religion or caste or any of those things this is very community specific simply because what datri says is that tomorrow if we have somebody who comes to us and says that we need a bone marrow donor and this is who we are and this is the group that we belong to datri will first check its database within the same community because even datri's research states that there is a higher possibility of finding people uh, who who have registered as marrow donors with them uh, who belong to the same community uh, i'm not saying that that is always true for example i am uh, an indian woman uh, indian catholic woman and i happen to find my donor way in germany uh, who is ethnic group wise wise she is turkish so she is a turkish woman who is like brought up in germany and like she she is miles away okay uh, it it is that it's close to a 17 18 hour flight from uh, from india uh, so it's not always true 
but what um, I, I think after i i uh, i was done with my treatment and this has to be a couple of years ago i read this uh, article in um, one of these local newspapers that uh, many uh, indians have found their donors in germans for some reason or or uh, especially in turkish germans apparently there is something common in our genes or god knows what but there was some article i faintly remember reading about it so uh, that is the thing and what dhatri essentially does is that um, it it goes it it uh, collaborates with uh, corporates it collaborates with colleges and universities it has its set of volunteers and then uh, the representatives go there they conduct this induction kind of a program or an orientation program where they explain the entire process to people orient them into understanding ki ye cheez bhi hoti hai and this is completely non profit so they do that and they get people to understand and then they register and to register as a marrow donor is the easiest thing to do because there are these two cotton swabs which are nothing but uh, really long ear buds if i have to give you a mental picture and all they do is that they take it and they swab one side of your cheek they put it in a plastic wrapper and then they take another one and swab the other side of the cheek so all they need is your saliva sample and um, then they send it to the states and what happens is there's an antigen test so i have i have actually explained all of this sorry not an antigen test i'm sorry it's an hla uh, match somewhere covid is running in my head there's an hla um, uh, you know typing that is done and i have explained all of this in my tedx talk what is hla and uh, you know because all of these are really big uh, medical terms and everyone uh, seems to get lost uh, in it in that entire circus so i've explained it i've tried to simplify it as much as possible and then these test results are uh, entered in their records so tomorrow if i walk up to dhatri and i say that well i uh, you know uh, i'm losing time and i need uh, someone to donate their marrow can you look uh, look up for my records then dhatri will do that because i will give my uh, hla reports to them and they will uh, enter it in the, into their database and then they will try and you know match it uh, with uh, the people who have already registered and then they will find someone who is as close a match as possible they reach out to that person and say that well we have somebody who is in an urgent need of your marrow and you can save their life and you are a match are you ready to do it so that's how that's how the entire process works in fact in fact when i needed a donor when i was told that uh, steffi the only way you can get out of this cancer is by taking a bmt um my hla uh, was done and uh, datri finds it's um, if i can say datri's home is chennai that's that's the first city it started operating out of so um, and and i was taking my treatment at a small town close to chennai i took my treatment at cmc which is one of the best uh, in the country uh, for a bone marrow transplant so i um, i i remember the hospital sending my details to dhatri and unfortunately dhatri could not find a matched donor for me because uh, you know in spite of the fact that dhatri is the uh, biggest uh, uh, you know bone marrow registry in our country 
um, there aren't enough donors who have registered. And uh, I got mine from Germany. So the thing is, the thing is this that uh, if I had found a donor in India, my treatment cost um, would have been much lower. And I'm just lucky and blessed that I belong to a family that could afford a treatment this expensive because the moment you find a donor outside your country, the foreign exchange, foreign exchange rate is crazy because you have to, you know, the, the kind of uh, money, money just goes out. Like before you can even, you know, spell money, it's that fast, which is why I kept uh, insisting people that they must register as marrow donors in India because if there is someone who can find a donor within the same country, the treatment expenses reduce drastically, drastically. It it really helps your finances, and which is also a reason, you know, apart from this, this is also a very important reason why people in India need to register because I have seen families opt out of a bone marrow transplant knowing that this is the only option to save their loved one because they don't have those kind of funds. And having said that, yes, prime minister and chief minister funds are there and they do work. Huh? I mean, you may criticize uh, the government as much as you want for a number of reasons, but there are there are really good health plans that are available. But then what happens again is that these are available for people who really, really, really need that money, whose, whose yearly income is much, much lower. And then in that case also, and I'm going to go on record and say this, I have seen people produce uh, fake documents in order to claim all that government money because they don't want to spend their money. And they don't want to spend their money because they have to save a girl child. If it's a male child, then they will spend their own money. So I have also seen a lot of gender discrimination when it comes to cancer treatment. So that is also very important. I have, I have, so, so, you know, there are too many layers um, to this. I've I've seen families opt out of um, uh, chemotherapies and uh, uh, other expensive treatments just because they think, hi, it's okay, it's a daughter. Uh, what's the point of spending so much after her? Ultimately, even if she recovers, there's no way we're going to, go, going to be able to get her married. Who's going to marry her after this? So, okay, do. If it's a son, it's not like that. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, that is something I think I, I've never heard someone talk about that, about gender discrimination when it comes to cancer. Yeah, treatment. in fact, that I've is. mentioned it in my book as well. There was this lady, um, this guy happened to be like, uh, uh, he happened to be like my cancer buddy, like my treatment buddy. He, uh, he also had um, a blood aggressive form of blood cancer and I also had one and both of us needed a transplant. And um, he had four sisters. So four uh, sisters, and then he was the fifth child, a son. Um, and uh, to some, to someone like me, it was very obvious uh, that you know why he's the last child because I think the the couple must have kept trying till they found a son, till till they were blessed with a son, so to say. Um, and this one time, uh, his mom was talking to my mother, and she ended up telling my mother that I have four daughters. Why did the 
universe or why did god choose to give this disease to my son couldn't it have or couldn't god have given it to any one of my daughters why my son she said that and i've actually mentioned this in my book so um you know we can talk about uh, gender and we can talk about equality and we can talk about uh, discrimination um, you know to things that are naked uh, you know uh, out in the open things that are obvious uh, to the naked eye so to say but at the grassroots level when you go beyond the grassroots level this is the reality this is what is happening so uh, you know these are also issues that we really need to address i have seen uh, parents who chose not to get a bone marrow transplant for their daughter who was struggling with thalassemia from the age of 2 and her growth is uh, you know the child's growth is stunted this this girl is supposed to be 18 year years old but she looks like she is a 6 year old uh, because that's what happens and parents have decided not to go ahead with it in spite of the fact that doctors have been able to find out a donor for this child while the child was 4 or 5 years old and it was imperative in 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 her case and yet they waited for this long till they managed to you know find people who were ready to donate in spite of the fact that her father is a businessman because he thought you know well it's a daughter it's okay and it it just broke my heart it was Uh, it was unbelievable and i have seen this this these are all live examples these are people i have spoken to every day these are people i kept in touch with for for a stipulated period of time after my recovery as well uh, but of course they are never going to come to the forefront and talk about it because all of us have been conditioned to accept it some way uh, as 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 women uh you know we will not question our parents we will not question their choices because we don't know enough to question their choices we are not going to turn around and ask our mom and dad you know why am i not important to you why don't you want to save me you know because we don't know enough about it so that's the thing to us our parents will tell us i'm sorry we cannot afford the treatment and that's the end of it you have to just accept it and fight as much as you can fight but then you realize well so it's it's um you know maybe someday if my marrow story grows to uh, the proportion that i want for it to grow i think this is going to be my uh, sub section that i really want to address um gender cases within this i don't know it's i think it's going to take a long time but um, i think i've made up my mind to work as hard as possible to address some of these issues so let's see yeah let's see that is a good thing and other than just a lot of people signing up for marrow donation things like these are the ones that should be really addressed along yeah, with that yeah i think i think um, you know there are two issues here uh, to be frank with you akash the first one is that a people should um, register that is just in order to build a registry enough to generate options i am not saying that tomorrow if we have a registry that is big enough it is still going to be um you know enough to suffice the needs of every patient who needs a transplant because there is still always going to be a possibility that it's not a match okay so we have to keep that in mind but the point is that the more number of people who are on the registry there is more hope and faith that we are genetic 
generating for patients and their families that you know no no there are people who are ready to do it and there are people who are sincere about it and there are people who will not back out which is also very very important this is the one thing that datri asked me to to mention very clearly in all of these orientation and talks that i was uh, giving to my students uh, encouraging them to uh, sign up as marrow donors was that promise that you will not back out because the moment datri reaches out to you and says that you can really save somebody's life and at that point in time you could be 60 you could be 40 you could be 45 you could be 35 it could be tomorrow okay and then if you say that i'm sorry my wife my husband my partner my boyfriend my girlfriend my parents my relatives they are not okay with it because the problem with india is that you don't only have to convince the donor you also have to convince the donor's entire family okay which i don't see happening here so i have i've moved to canada i don't see it happening anywhere i don't see it happening in canada i've been to germany to meet my donor i don't see happening there definitely not in the states there each individual has the right to do this so the only argument that we put before you is that you are 18 and above to be able to re- legally register as a donor so you can make your own decisions if you can cast a vote to choose who should lead your country then you can definitely do something in order to save somebody's life but apparently when it comes to saving the life of a stranger everyone has an opinion about it if you if it's your own sibling then it's like nahi nahi beta kar lo kar lo bhaiya baj jayenge didi baj jayegi kind of a thing but you will not do it for someone you do not know so this is also crucial that you are not to back out if you have even an inkling that it's going to be difficult for me to convince everyone around me don't do it don't register because it's worst to promise hope and then snatch it away from the person when they are in dire need of it you know when someone is dying and then they are told that we found a match and then the match says i'm sorry but i am caught up with something else or i have my own issues to deal with and i'm sorry i can't save your life go find someone else it's it's the worst way to break uh, the human spirit so this is also something that we insist upon ki if you can't commit don't do it um so yes that's that's also a thing that is important very important yes yeah it's better to not have hope than to have ray of hope and then suddenly yeah yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and it's uh, i don't know some way it, you're just robbing a person of all the hope that they have hung up hung on to you know uh like just take my case for example i couldn't find any donor mass donor in india i am the only child my parents uh, were only half a match so if there are like 10 parameters my i i had five parameters that matched with my dad another five uh, parameters that matched with my mom now five out of 10 is not i mean think of it as a test agar tumko दस में से पांच आते तो इट्स नॉट लाइक यू नो यू गोइंग टू गो होम विद दैट टेस्ट रिजल्ट एंड योर पेरेंट्स आर गोइंग टू बी लाइक शबाश बेटा तुम 50% लेके आए ओके दे आर गोइंग टू प्रोबेबली यू नो जस्ट गो लाइक व्हाट द हेल इज दिस यू नो हैवेंट यू स्टडीड इनफ फॉर द टेस्ट हु गेट्स 50% सो थिंक ऑफ इट लाइक दैट यू कैन नॉट गो अहेड विद अ 5 आउट ऑफ 10 सो वी थॉट ओके लेट्स गो फॉर अ बेटर मैच डोनर आई कुडंट फाइंड एनीबॉडी इन इंडिया देन वी सेड ओके फाइन लेट्स लुक फॉर समबडी इन एशिया व्हिच इज द लार्जेस्ट कॉन्टिनेंट Uh, in the world could not find one individual in asia 
okay, who matched with me. And then, uh, I mean, I'm, uh, we had also sent my details at DKMS and DKMS uh, finds its um, home in Germany. So DKMS India also was actively looking for me. DKMS couldn't find a match donor for me in India as well. And not even in Asia. So DKMS said, okay, fine, we'll send your details to Germany. Before that, they actually called up my dad and they said that, well, we, we are not able to find anyone in um, in India for you. Uh, do you mind, are you, are you now open to uh, say Europe first? So then our next best option was Europe. Okay. Agar Europe may be that, then my last option was the States. Now, all you have to understand is the moment my file travels from one country to a continent to a different continent, the price goes up. Okay. So we have to constantly also, there's this mental pressure of, okay, uh, yeah, I have these many funds. I can manage this much. Went to Europe and there was only one match donor. Okay. My donor. And it was a 9 out of 10. So it was not a perfect match, but it was a near perfect match. Now imagine if my donor, Eileen, her name is Eileen. Imagine if Eileen had said, no, I'm sorry. I'm caught up with other things. I can't do it. I guarantee you, and I'm on record, I would have died. There is no other way to put it. I was thinking, I, I would have died. I mean, for how long am I going to take chemotherapy to survive? Okay, and I have seen cases, I've mentioned about one crucial case in my TEDx talk, where uh, the said person actually passed away, waiting for a donor. So this, there, are, uh, there are people who have actually uh, lost their lives waiting for a donor, and that's where my problem is. That's what makes me extremely uncomfortable. Uh, it's okay if, it's not okay, that's, that's, I'm sorry, that's the wrong phrase to use, but I think I can digest the fact if someone passes away because the treatment is that atrocious or is that painful or that your body is not able to take it after a point in time. I, I, I think I can digest that because the treatment is really crucial. And I have had my moments when I thought, okay, okay you know, I think this is it. I can't, I, if, if there is one more chemotherapy that is administered, uh, you know, to me, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. So, um, I, I, I get that. What I don't get is people losing their lives because we are not able to, our society, our community is not able to generate enough options to save their lives. That's when my problem is. How can someone die waiting for a savior? That's why I just have to uh, get the marrow story rolling. I just have to do it. I mean, I don't know. This this was just my duty. Maybe if, if I didn't do it, it would be like, kya uh, waste? What's the point of having a second chance at life if you are just going to, you know, just be self indulged? It's just wrong. So that. Yes. So, like you said earlier, I thought it was only in India that you couldn't find a donor. So, I think it's a global thing that. There are less narrow donors. Uh, no, uh, no, not really, not really. So, in uh, so say for example, and and I'm not, I'm not. Uh, this is not racist at all. I, I'm I'm mentioning colors just in order to give you context. Okay, so chances of a white person trying to find a matched donor in the world are fifty percent, which is a great great percent to have. Okay, now when this comes to Indian and other ethnic groups, 
I believe so for Africans as well. This percent is 10% or less. So the problem is that there aren't enough representatives for marrow donation within other ethnic groups. That's where the problem is. So even if we can amp up this 10% or less to say 20%, which to me right now is bloody encouraging, okay? So there are so many cases that we can solve. And let's not kid ourselves as far as I have understood uh, within my limited knowledge about cancer in India, it now affects every, like there's, every, it's like every fourth house has somebody. You know, gone are those days when people would say, okay, you know, this person has cancer and we'd go like, oh my God, uh, what is cancer and what's happening? Now, literally, if you if you tell anyone that uh, so-and-so person in my family has been uh, diagnosed with uh, breast cancer or so-and-so person has been diagnosed with uh, blood cancer or whatever it is, there is definitely going to be some second or third person who's going to say, oh, you know, my aunt also had it or my best friend had it or uh, someone at my school had it or my classmate had it or, uh, you know, my colleague had it. It's that common. Everyone happens to know somebody within their social group who had cancer, who's either passed away or has survived or is under treatment. Is that common? Okay, so that's, I think that should be enough to um, escalate the matter in terms of this is an emergency. This is a, um, I mean, this is a epidemic that has been, uh, running and let's not kid ourselves. This is something that I also put up uh, on my Marrow Stories uh, page. In the near future, I'm not saying tomorrow, uh, let's hope tomorrow, but in the near future, we will definitely be able to find a, vac find a vaccine for COVID-19. It will take time. Uh, everyone's working extremely hard to get over it. We will find a vaccine, but cancer is here to stay. It's not going. COVID may go away eventually, okay? Its impact may reduce um, eventually. We may be able to find something uh, for it. Yes, we are, uh, our, our times are going to go down in history. You know, uh, a decade later, someone's going to say, okay, a decade ago, uh, sorry, not a decade, maybe a century uh, ago, this happened. Uh, but we are going to get out of it. But I cannot say that with with this confidence for cancer so it's going to be here and uh, that is also important and i think i did i shot a short video for um, some other organization about this what is happening to people who are with cancer in the midst of covid because that's also there na? Uh, as a as a person who is with cancer and who is uh, you know taking chemotherapy what are my chances? Uh, is it safe for me to travel to the hospital and enter the hospital uh, and actually take chemotherapy in the midst of COVID? And if I don't take chemotherapy, therapy, how long am I going to survive without it? Too many questions that we have no answers to. I, I uh, interviewed also people with thalassemia, which is also a big uh, chunk of my marrow story. And these people actually told me that our, um, you know, they have to take blood transfusion every month. 
and they said we cannot tell you the number of times uh, it has been cancelled or postponed by the hospital authorities because um, of uh, COVID. You know, every time they go in there, they have to take the COVID test. And if they are negative, only then they can take a blood transfusion. It's crazy. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy. I, I don't know if they have to pay for it every time, but if they have to, then, oh my God, uh, it, it's just not fair. So, uh, you know, there's too much, too much happening. And we don't have enough provisions to address all of these issues. Yeah, cancer is still baffles doctors and scientists all around the world. Yeah, no, yeah. Of course, there's a lot of so progress. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, there's a lot of progress. I will not deny that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but you know, again, like it makes me extremely uncomfortable, and I'm going to keep saying this because so I I uh, belong to Ahmedabad, right? I've born born. I won't say born, but at least you know. You can say as close as born and brought up to Am- in Ahmedabad. I've lived all my life in Ahmedabad. And very, very recently, I have seen these, you know, kick-ass kind of uh, big seven-star quality hospitals uh, that have mushroomed in, in my city, in Ahmedabad, okay? And all of these have a BMT center. All of these, they have the best doctors, they have the best teams, uh, they have coordinated with the, uh, you know, best doctors uh, placed internationally, everything. And these are high-end hospitals. But you know what makes me really uncomfortable? What makes me uncomfortable is the fact that there are these many cancer hospitals that have started mushrooming out in my city, which is indicative of the fact that there are these many cancer cases, which is indicative of the fact that these many people need a bone marrow transplant. Okay, so why are you going to build these many hospitals? You will only build it if there is a demand. Either there is a demand uh, and there is no supply, which is the only possibility in medicine. You cannot be saying, I'm creating a demand. Okay, so that's that's the thing. So um, it's it's a bit that, yeah. So many hospitals have come up, yeah. I, I hear it on over the radio that, okay, this hospital gives the best uh, cancer treatment. Yeah, so when I started, you know, uh, reading about this, I thought it's only about the medical problems or the technical issues. But when it comes to marrow, I think there are a lot more than that. It goes beyond just financial or technical, like we talked over this course. So to sum it all up, uh, what are the few points, what are the few things that, you would like to see implemented when it comes to this in the future uh, in our country or you know just generally um i can't really say for implemented because i don't think i have that kind of uh, intellectual capacity or enough knowledge to talk about implementation but what i can uh, state are a couple of points that can uh, really bust some myths around bone marrow uh, transplant, if you may allow me to do so. So, um, so the first one, thank you. So the first one is bone marrow transplant is not a surgery. I think that's very important. The second is, um, or rather I may say stem cell donation is not a surgery. Okay, stem cell donation is um, extremely similar to your blood donation. Okay, it just has a slightly different procedure, but it's exactly similar when it comes to donating. It's similar to um, uh, blood blood donation. The third one is um, 
if you are between the age group of 18 to 55 please 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 register if you are watching this video if you feel that you you know if you are one of those who really wants to do something for for the society but doesn't know how to start begin from here uh, just just uh, register as a marrow donor um, given covid if all you have to do is you can you can go on to Datri's website. You can also go on to DKMS's website and other uh, bone marrow registries. Uh, there are many, but I mean Datri is something that I'm I'm not only saying it because I'm associated with them. I'm also saying it because uh, I have worked with the marrow registration process with them, and it's it's quite easy, which is why, uh, given COVID, you may not be in a position to actually go to their offices and register. Uh, in that case, you can actually uh, order a kit uh, for home delivery. And they will send it home with a list of instructions. All you have to do is take it and swap it and seal it back and give it to them. So that is possible. You can call them. Uh, they are uh, some of the kindest people there, I know. And uh, they will help you with it. So register if you can. Um, talk about cancer. And most importantly, call it cancer. Don't call it that thing. Don't call it the monster. Don't call it the disease. Don't call it that idiotic thing. Don't call it uh, the problem. Call it cancer. You know, when you address the enemy by its name, it reduces its power. It, you know, cancer is not like Voldemort, you know, he who must not be named. I mean, you, it's not like if you name cancer, it's going to, it's, it's uh, you know, going to increase its power. Call it cancer. I think that's, that's essentially important. Um, read. And I'm not saying read because uh, someone around you could get cancer. No, no, it's, it's nothing like that. Read because you need to educate yourself about it. You don't need to get into the dynamics of, oh my God, this is, ye to mujhe dar lag rahe. no, don't, don't expose yourself to things that make you uncomfortable or you, or you feel scared. But read enough to maybe speak to somebody who, who is with the disease. I think the one issue that at least my friends faced initially and uh, some of my fam family members did also is, okay, how do we talk to her? What, what do we tell her? You know, uh, and, and I think that is something that maybe most of us uh, have, have struggled uh, with, that you don't know what to say to the person uh, the moment you know that this person has been diagnosed. And, um, you know, um, uh, even if we even if you know somebody like, for example, if I if I have cancer, that doesn't mean that you that you can't talk to me about anything else. You know, you talk to me about what's happening uh, in your life. Talk to me about funny things. Talk to me about general stuff. It doesn't mean that because I have cancer, I am necessarily dying. Uh, you don't have to talk to me about how, how I'm feeling or all of that, you know. As someone who has survived cancer, I think during the course of my treatment, I craved for normal conversations. So we are still normal people. Having cancer doesn't make us an alien. So I think one of the purposes is also, I never, and I've said this at all conferences and talks I've been invited to, I never advise cancer patients on how to, uh, on what to do. You know, when you are thrown into the sea, whether you know how to swim or not, you are still going to flap your hands and legs because you want to survive. So you don't need to teach people how to survive cancer. But definitely, as a cancer survivor, I can tell the society 
uh, how to. So I think I think for me, it's much more important to build a humane society around somebody who is uh, struggling with the disease. I think it's important to educate the people who have never been with cancer instead of telling people who have been with cancer or who are with cancer ki tumko kya karna chahiye i think they know their uh, a to z it's it's the other people who need to so that thing you know don't uh, don't go like oh my god now what's going to happen to you i mean even that that's the question that even we have for ourselves throughout the treatment kya kya hoga kya hoga so we don't want to hear that out loud just just talk about normal things you know don't apologize don't feel guilty uh, about things i think the more you do it the better um so yeah these are these are a couple of pointers to keep in mind don't um, don't see a son and a daughter as different please this is to all parents uh, who are maybe subconsciously doing it without realizing it please don't do it this is for the society this is for everyone uh, who does this please please don't do it please don't save your um, your daughter because she happens to be the only child or your son because he happens to be the only child uh, don't please don't do that don't begin to um this has also happened and i've seen it that uh, in 25% of the cases siblings are a match so uh, if a daughter ha- needs a bone marrow uh, and if the son happens to be a complete match for some reason you know parents will put the son on the pedestal that oh he happened to save her so suddenly he becomes this this god this this favorite child you know but i have not seen the same attitude uh, for the daughter with the daughter is like it's her duty to save her brother and i'm only speaking from the brother sister perspective sister sister is different brother brother is different but i've seen this um, with my naked eye like the person was sitting right next to me and i've seen it so don't don't do that um, yeah that's all i can say i mean i'm not a parent so i uh, i i cannot actually say that oh ha huh, how should you uh, you know uh, treat your children no not saying that but just don't just don't discriminate everyone ha- deserves the right to live yeah so cancer is not the only elephant in the room there are a lot of other things that have to be addressed along with it so yes it has been absolutely yeah it has been very insightful talking to you getting your uh, perspective of things you know we've been through this and been beyond that uh, reaching out to people uh, were need of it so i hope to connect with you again over this Thank again you. because there are a lot to talk about it's just not just one dimension there are a lot of other like we said like we are keeping on saying over and over again like a lot of other dimensions to this and yeah it's a long yes, way to yes. where we want to get to like the cancer free society is very hypothetical when i say about it now but hopefully someday yeah yeah even if not cancer free i think physically you may not be able to get there because uh, cancer is going to take its own time to go away but um, if there is a mentally cancer free society in terms of cancer is not a taboo in terms of it's okay let's just treat it like another disease it's okay let's talk about it it's okay you know uh, let's let's reach out to the person let's see how we can help them let's talk to them let's normalize this to me that is a cancer free society because the moment you start treating a disease like that the way we treat common flu and cold that's when we will win over cancer you know mental strength does play an important role i don't deny it 
but if everyone around me is constantly going to poke me or is constantly going to make me feel uncom- uncomfortable about my situation there's only so much that my mental strength can do to keep me going i will have a break point sooner than later yeah so that's so where the society can step in yes it's yeah. a team work when it comes to it not always, just always always yeah 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 always everyone coming together joining hands and yeah yeah so thank you dr steffi for joining us and this wonderful you. talk and uh, yeah on behalf of zenonco.io and lovelies cancer we wish you a good day ahead and thank you i wish you a good evening and a good weekend ahead <laughs> and uh, this was an absolute pleasure thank you thank you for giving me this platform thank you for uh, inviting me uh, to to be a part of this conversation because um, somewhere uh, i think if we are to build a society for cancer then all of us need to join hands you know marrow stories and on co other organizations that we can reach out to because at the end of the day all of us are working together to address the same problem whether it is the disease or the mentality associated with the disease so maybe you are addressing the disease and i am trying to address the mentality but it is still uh, walking together so thank you thank you for joining hands with me thank you for helping me uh, you know um, deliver my message i truly truly uh, appreciate it thank you very much